Sandoz. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Under Mascara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandoz and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. And good Wednesday to you folks. I am the sidekick, Mike Gallagher. Thank you so much for joining us. Jay Sandoz off today, a well-deserved day off after making about a a four-and-a-half-hour drive back last night with ETSU men's basketball from Georgia State, a 74-68 loss, which we're going to talk much about today. A lot of positives to take away from that first game, even though it was a defeat. We'll hear from Steve Forbes here in just a few moments, his post-game sound after what we're going to title Fast Break 40. The entire year, you can find it on SoundCloud.com on the Buccaneer Athletics SoundCloud page. Of course, we have a separate page for Sandos and the Sidekick. Find all the episodes for this show on that SoundCloud page. But Fast Break 40 is basically a compressed game. It's about six or seven minutes of highlights of storytelling about the contest, and we're going to run that here in a few moments, just in case you did miss ETS. SU men's basketball going down to the defending Sunbelt Conference champions for their season opener. Again, a defeat, but we're going to hear from Coach Forbes, going to hear on Fast Break 40 about all the positives, plenty of firsts, of course, on night number one of a season, the 2018-19 campaign with so many new faces for ETSU in blue and gold. And also later in the show, last segment, we're going to talk with Mike White, the Director of Sports Information for ETSU Men's Basketball on top of our entire sports information department. He was there. He saw the game, and he'll be able to break down with us a bit more exactly how things went. Again, Jay Sandoz off today. My name is Mike Gallagher. Also going to have Landon Owen of Lando's Land. That'll be in segment number two, so about oh, 15 or so minutes into the show. And then in segment three, we conclude our college basketball preview. We had... Uh, Russell Steinberg last week from SB Nation and Mid-Major Madness. The week before that, it was Blake Lovell. He talked all things SEC. So it was SEC, then it was Mid-Major on a national scale. And now we're going to have Kevin Sweeney from College Basketball Central, cbbcentral.com. He does an incredible job. He does a podcast there. Um, CBB Central Podcast is what it's called, pretty fittingly. He's also a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association. And he did recently what I believe to be one of the most incredible feats I've ever seen in definitely college basketball media, maybe media in general. All 353 teams 
32 conferences in 32 days. All 353 teams previewed in Division I men's basketball. That has come to a conclusion. Opened up a little bit of his time to be able to join us. Again, Kevin Sweeney of CBBCentral.com. Specifically, what he's going to be focusing on is the Southern Conference and ETSU. Of course, we have tons of ETSU coverage around this area, but putting in perspective where ETSU stands in the Southern Conference, why his rankings matched up the way they did, because he did rank every team in every conference by conference. And he'll also tell us where he thinks the Southern Conference stands in the conference echelon as we go from 1 to 32. So a ton with Kevin Sweeney in segment number 3. Okay, in terms of last night, here's the fast break 40. Here's how it went down at the GSU Sports Arena. ETSU, Georgia State, the 2018-19 season opener. GSU Sports Arena. Advantageous for ETSU to get out to a fast start in the road. Georgia State and NCAA tournament team last year. And after getting the first three points of the game, the Panthers would see the SoCon freshman of the year put ETSU on the board for the first time this season. Tisdale over to Hodges. Deep three for Bo Hodges, and the sophomore hits it. So Bo Hodges rings the bell from downtown. He only hit six threes a year ago. Bo Hodges will steal the inbounds pass to Jerome Rodriguez. Back to Bo Hodges. Right hand layup. Book it. So Bo Hodges, a key returner off to a quick open as he was on the board before the first media timeout. But Georgia State was not backing down. Weems with the basketball. Bucks miscommunication. Who has who? Thomas all the way to the hoop. He dunks it and he's fouled. And he's going to let him know about it. Big flush for senior Jeff Thomas who converted the end one. ETSU though came back with a seldom used big man entering his senior season. Hodges drives baseline all the way to the hoop. Got it to James Harrison. Left-handed shot right over Jordan Tyson is good. Good with the basketball. Front court to Hodges. He'll drive in. Left hand layup. No good. James Harrison offensive rebound. Good. How huge would it be for ETSU to get big production out of James Harrison this season to pair with Milad Narmus and Jerome Rodriguez down low. But equally, if not more important, production from this man who was living up to the hype early. Top key Tisdale. Bounce pass on the block. Hodges. He drives. Pump fake. Puts up a shot off the glass. Good. Bo Hodges being strong with the basketball. He's got seven. Bo Hodges, pundits expect big things out of him. To have a big game tonight would show a lot. It was a tight game as we moved past the halfway point of the first 20 minutes, which is when a man coming back to his hometown team this year in blue and gold got his first points as a box. Trying to attack left side, good. A catch and a shot for three is good. Nothing but net, that was true. Patrick, certainly good to have him, and I'm sorry for the terrible joke. Lots of firsts tonight. Here's another Buck with his first points for ETSU, followed by a first career field goal for the Bucks from another. Tisdale inside of Bernard, juggle it, collected it, layup, right side, good. Boy, he's so long, and he can dribble. Big fan of Dondre Bernard early. Good with the basketball for ETSU. Tisdale all the way to the hoop, left good, and the foul. 6'8", 200 pounds from Toronto, DeAndre Bernard, and the second highlight, Isaiah Tisdale. College Basketball Central predicting he will be the newcomer of the year in the SoCon. Good to have both of them, though Georgia State was keeping their lead in the mid-single digits with five minutes to go in the first half. And here's another first for ETSU. This Trey Boyd in the mid-range. Top of the key, back to Boyd, the left-hander. Tries to drive, pull up, 15-footer, good. Trey Boyd showing that pull-up jumper game, similar to T.J. Cromer, if you will. First points is a buck. Plenty of reasons to celebrate individually for ETSU in the first half, but as a team, this was the story of the first 20 minutes. Simons back to line, free throw good. And those are the first Tennessee first half highlights. What a key by Cody Woodall. 16 free throw attempts for Georgia State in the first half. ETSU just 8-11 makes to 5 in favor of the Panthers. Halftime, Panthers 32 
Bucks 29. ETSU was narrowly trailing out of the locker room. Isaiah Tisdale cut the lead to one, and after Georgia State lengthened the lead back to four, Tisdale played distributor. Tisdale to a wide open. Patrick Good for a three. Book it. Patrick Good will ring the bell from the corner. So Patrick Good, who is actually leading the team in rebounding to that point at 6 feet, 165 pounds, steps outside for the triple, and it was back to one. Bo Hodges backing up his sophomore teammate. Tisdale in the box down by seven. Right side, Bo Hodges, 16.40 to go in a game. Turnaround jumpers up and good. Tough shot, and Hodges... Now with 11. Hodges tied with the assister there, Tisdale, for the team lead in points at that point, both with nine. And with so many firsts in the opening 20 minutes of the season, we were still waiting on seeing one big man's first points for ETSU, and they came with 16 minutes to go. Bucks trying to run a double pick. They got it inside Rodriguez and a finger roll lip. He was too far out to dunk it, smart enough to realize that. Finger roll up with 15.50 to go second half. But there was too much DeMarcus Simons and the man with the big dunk in the first half for Georgia State to keep pace with early in the second period for ETSU. With the basketball, deep three, up and good. It rolled around for Thomas, man. 14 for him, lead back to 7, 46-39. That's Jeff Thomas, Simons and Thomas, 32 of the team's 46 at the under-16 timeout. But the man doing it all on this night for ETSU made it a one-possession game and then cut it back to one. Boyd over to Tisdale, inside to Armas. Armas, right-hand hook shot, ugly rebound. Tisdale put back is in. Rebound, Tisdale. Bucks down one possession here. Tisdale with it, drives down the lane. Right-hand layup, good! Isaiah Tisdale does it himself. He's got 13. Things were heating up after Isaiah Tisdale wreaked some havoc with the Bucks tying up the contest at 50 apiece. 11 minutes to go in a game. Tucker finally opened for a three. Takes it and nailed it. Boy, you can't give him a clean look. Kayvon Tucker, someone that can stretch the floor, and the Bucks took advantage of that down low as ETSU's bigs weren't satisfied just with tying the game up. Rodriguez skipped past Hodges. He had an extra pass to Tucker, didn't give it to him. Instead, Hodges with 20 on the shot clock got it to good. Good to Armas. And he ducked it home. How about the big fella? The Serbian with a two-handed stick. And he lets out a big screen. Hodges drives down the lane. Nice pass down low. James Harrison layup. Good. Good to Hodges. Bucks up to Bo Hodges against a triple team. Missed the shot, but Jerome Rodriguez offensive putback is up and in. Milad and Armas, James Harris, and Jerome Rodriguez building a four-point lead. Those men standing head and shoulders above the rest literally and also figuratively as we hit the under-8 timeout. But Georgia State answered back with a 7-0 run. Simmons, a pass in the corner. Thomas has been hot from three and stays hot. Jeff Thomas again after ETSU missed a few chances on the offensive glass. Thomas approaching a career high, killing the Bucks Tuesday, and he stretched the lead to six with three free throws after a Trey Boyd foul from beyond the arc, then did get his career high after Bo Hodges was teed up for some choice language towards the Panther, Thomas taking the free throws. Things were spiraling out of control for the Bucks at the wrong time with the under-four timeout arriving. ETSU scored just two points in a three-and-a-half-minute span. It was a 14-2 run for Georgia State, but Isaiah Tisdale was not... Not letting the Bucks die. 69-63, Bucks down six, Tisdale to good, back to Tisdale, pass fake, Tisdale, drive, forces up a shot, it's good, and one. He converted the three-point play, slashing the lead in half, then the Belgradian brute got ETSU even closer. Rodriguez, skip pass, good, over to Tisdale to Hodges, he'll drive, bounce pass, Armas, two-handed dunk. A one-point game, Georgia State struggling to hang on late. But they were rescued by a redshirt junior. Williams finally attacks. Williams, nowhere to go with it. In the corner, Wilson wants a three and he hit it. He's hit nothing all day and he hits a three. 
Just six points all night, three of them there for Damon Wilson, and this exchange would decide things. Hodges drives all the way in, layup no good. Armis has got a double-double. His shot was blocked, and then it's stolen by Wilson. Bucks have to foul. They don't with 17. Thomas, a run out and a dunk, and that'll do it. Final, Georgia State 74, ETSU 68. ETSU 0-1 to start the year. And there you hear it, ETSU really had a great shot to close out that game, down just one going into the final 90 or so seconds, and then a guy, Damon Wilson, who hit just one three his entire career, said Steve Forbes afterwards. He hits that three, and then ETSU kind of scrambling in the last few seconds to try and be able to come from behind and pull out a late victory, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. It just did not work out for the Bucks. A great back-and-forth game. We expected it to be high. Highly competitive. Georgia State was favored going into the contest by, depending on where you look, six or seven points. And that ended up being, of course, the final margin of victory for them, six. But really a bounce here, bounce there. And as you'll hear from Coach Forbes, maybe some more composure down the stretch certainly would have helped. Uh, Game one. A number of new players trying to get used to each other. Isaiah Tisdale looked absolutely phenomenal, and Kevin Sweeney's going to tell us here in a few segments just how good he thinks Tisdale can be. He actually names him as the newcomer of the year in the Southern Conference, and he showed why last night did Tisdale. But there were some ups and downs. Here were Coach Forbes' thoughts afterwards. I think about four or five minutes before that, though, we lost our composure. You know, we had the game going our direction, and we gave up a three in the corner. Then we fouled a three-point shooter. Then we got a technical, and we didn't execute three straight play calls we called down the stretch in that time frame there where uh, we needed to extend the lead or match what they were doing. We didn't run what we were supposed to run, and we didn't score. And so that led them back in the game. Now, what happened in the end was, you're right, we held them. They missed. We didn't get the rebound. They got another shot at it. Honest truth is the guy that made the three made one three in his career at Pitt. If you're going to have a guy make a shoot that shot, we wanted him to shoot it. But we defensively, we broke down because we were doing something different schematically on the screen and roll and then the replace. We've been doing it all night. They weren't getting anything out of it. We didn't do it, but we did actually leave open the right guy. He just he made a big shot. So you heard off the top there, he said about four or five minutes before that, Jay Sandos asking Coach Forbes about those final 90 or so seconds when things kind of slipped away. But Coach Forbes clearly thinking it wasn't just those 90 seconds. It was more of a last seven, eight minutes of the game. And there were more thoughts from Coach Forbes after. you got to be accountable if you're going to take these shots. And that many, you got to be accountable to make them. We missed umpteen opportunities at the basket. I thought... I thought our plan was pretty good. I thought we got pretty darn good shots. I mean, great shots at some times. But we have, okay, we have 27 offensive rebounds. That sounds like a lot, but that's a lot of misses, right? I mean, that's a lot of our shots being missed and us going and rebounding them. So we got to make more shots, which I thought at the beginning of the year, and I still do, that we can score the ball. But with that being said, I thought defensively we were pretty good. You know, to come in here and hold them to 38% on their court, we held Simon 6 for 17 that's a pretty good effort. You know, we just didn't play well enough on offense. When we did share the ball and trusted each other, we got great shots, man. When the ball moved, we got good shots. But when it, when it didn't, we didn't. DeMarcus Simons and Jeff Thomas, he mentioned Simons. Simons last night being a highly touted player as well. 21 points, four rebounds, two assists. Jeff Thomas, career high, 26 points. 
five rebounds, three assists, four blocks. I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet and also had a monstrous throwdown in the first half. You'd hear Coach Forbes talking about on the offensive side having to be accountable, and he called out some individual players that he thought really needed to have better nights. But he also did mention, and this is worth repeating as well, and I think we'll talk about it with Mike White in our final segment of the show today, you can't panic at this point. It's game number one, and while there was a big opportunity to go on the road and get that first game, it is only one of, what, 30, 32, hopefully more than that, then you'll play this year if you are Steve Forbes and company. He's a level-headed guy. He has this down to a T. It's a science for him, and obviously while he wants to use some motivating words, he also knows to put those in perspective. Final thoughts from Coach Forbes on that 74-68 loss last night. That's not a good enough percentage. That's just part of being accountable for the shots. They're not, they're not the only ones. You know, Dromi's two for six at the paint. Pat's two for eight, two for seven, three. Trey's one for six, oh for four for three. I mean, you know, those are guys that have shown in the summer and the fall that they can make shots. And I still believe they can. But it's too bad because you only get these opportunities once or twice a year or maybe, you know, three or four times a year. I don't know. It depends on your schedule. But this was an opportunity for us to come in here and, and beat a really good team on their home court and had, it, had the game going our way. And we didn't finish it. And I think a lot of it was we lacked composure, composure defensively, composure on offense to run what we're supposed to run and do what we're supposed to do on the defensive end. And, you know, part of our identity is we play to our identity. It's do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. We didn't do that tonight for the most part. So, again, just kind of bringing the two soundbites together in that final soundbite is what he was really doing, talking about composure. And at the outset of the soundbite, he was discussing Bo Hodges and Miladin Armas, two guys that were all freshmen last year. Bo Hodges, the freshman of the year in the Southern Conference. They combined to go just 10 for 35. He said not a good enough percentage. And then, as we mentioned in the previous soundbite, there were some specific names that he wanted to discuss as well, whether it be Patrick Good, Jerome Rodriguez. Rodriguez looked really good in the glass. How about 13 rebounds, six of those offensive? ETSU out-rebounding the Panthers. 49 to 39 but as a team they shot just 35 percent from the field four of 23 from three-point land so we'll dive into it more again with Mike White in our final segment of the show today but that's just kind of the quick and dirty on what happened last night between the Bucks and the Panthers Hodges Armas certainly room for improvement but I don't think anyone around ETSU or around the Southern Conference at that believes they will do anything but improve this year because while that first night isn't what I'm sure they hoped, they've already proven that there is a lot of skill there, a lot of talent, and a lot of ability to go and do big things. A couple other names we want to mention, James Harrison. How nice was it to see him off the bench? A couple quick hoops there in the first half. He only played five minutes, but you got six points out of him. A couple of rebounds, went three for three from the field. DeAndre Bernard, as someone Jay Sandoz said during the broadcast, long, 6'8", 200 pounds from Toronto, Canada. Only played nine minutes, but his one field goal attempt was a make. Got a rebound as well, so he really liked the look of Bernard. And, of course, we mentioned Tisdale. Outside of Tisdale, though, the starters, he added up just 14 field goal makes in 49 attempts. So ETSU and Coach Forbes are back to work today and tomorrow, Hawassi at Freedom Hall. That is the home opener for the Bucks in the 2018-19 season. When we are back, it is Lando's Land. I'm Mike Gallagher in for Jay Sandoz. He is off today. I am the sidekick. Segment two next with Lando's Land, talking some college football, maybe some golf, and definitely some food because that's always an awesome topic of conversation here on the show. That's when we're back on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Congrats, you made it through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day. 
You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. You know, I'm not sure that that story of the bumper being created for Lando's Land has ever been told. Landon Owen being welcomed in from Bristol Motor Speedway comes on every week at this time. The Gulf Crusade is where you can find him on social media as well. And Landon, I think that we need to flesh out exactly how that intro came about because it's like a lot of ours that we do on Santos and the Sidekick, a bit different than some other podcasts, a bit different than even some radio. Uh, there's a lot that went into it, and in this case, maybe a bit of a miscommunication. 
You could say that. Um, I think anytime someone talks to you, there could be miscommunication. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that uh, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. It's a little unique. Um, yeah, I think Let's Go Mets Go. That's a classic baseball song from 1986. It's the last time we've been uh, been champions. So uh, as Mets fans, you have to live in the past a little bit. Not sure where the anthem thing came in. Maybe that was baseball too. Uh, but uh, hey. Good for you guys for trying something new outside the box. Well, let, let's hold on here because you don't you don't need to give all the credit to us because you certainly had a very heavy hand in this process where you said, I want this. Jay kind of ran with it. I tweaked it, and then it all got jumbled up. And the Let's Go Mets Go song, was that one you actually ever actually wanted in the bumper? Because I think that's where a bit of the miscommunication may have come in. I think it's a good touch, and I think the transition is beautiful with the Lando's Land with Landon Owen from Mark Newland, who's a big voice guy that does everything for the Buccaneers Sports Network. But did you ever really envision this being the opening bumper for Lando's Land? No. no. <laughs> with a little but bit of disgust in your voice. It's yeah. cool. It fits, right? It, it fits. Does. Yeah, it, it fits with our segment, so I think it's good. You know what didn't fit was Pat Rossler being fired as the Mets coach. He was uh, not ever really the answer as their hitting coach. 234 tied for last in the league in batting average last year. Although, to be fair to him, only three players played over 120 games. So, Rossler being fired, he didn't seem to fit as the hitting coach, but wasn't even his fault. No, and that's usually the way it goes, right? Um, you know, you could fire the, the pitching coach, but, you know, half the guys missed half their starts, you know? So I think they, they made a wise move at the beginning of the year, parting ways with the training staff because they were a little controversial. They had some extra methods that didn't really fit baseball and guys were getting hurt. Um, but mainly they just have to bring that whole thing into the same direction. They, they got a lot of guys off doing their own thing. You know, Cespedes is getting his heels cut off and put back on, I guess, ah. and, you know, so maybe he'll be good. I don't know who knows, but um, there's just always been a communication lag in that, that organization. And, um, you know, you're in the largest media market in the world, so things get amplified. Well, I'm guessing the best five months of the year for Mets fans are here, the five months where they don't have to watch the Mets play. So that's good for you. And football is here as well, obviously. You make picks with us every week about different games you want to go to, how you think games will go in FCS, FBS. I don't remember any of your picks from last week because I kind of take a snooze whenever this segment comes on and just let you and Jay do your thing. Can you remind us? Okay, yeah, hey, thanks, great. Uh, no should I just kind of take a back seat and let you run through it too? Or? Oh, no, you do whatever you need to do. This is no, your okay. segment. Jay uh, isn't here, so I'm really just a placeholder. Hey, man, you're a good placeholder. <laughs> I just want you to know Thank that. you. Um, yeah, we went to Kentucky last week. Um, you know, kind of upset pick maybe in the trips over the LSU-Alabama game, but I think that one turned out how everybody thought it would. Alabama just so, so good. 29 nothing down there, doubled the point spread. Um, so if you took the cover and the under, I think you were in good shape. Um, we said Michigan would win. I think we said Notre Dame would get a W. Yeah. And in the in the Kentucky game, we did pick Georgia, so we we hit that one. In our in our little football game of the week, we went smart guy football up to Princeton, and uh, Princeton Dartmouth undefeated battle in the Ivy, basically for the Ivy championship because they don't go to the playoffs. A um, couple weeks left in the season there for them, but uh, Princeton did prevail. We picked that. So overall picks, I appreciate you going back. It was a good week for picks. We've received a lot of grief for our picks over the last month, so nice to put some wins on the board. Good bounce back. Build some momentum towards the postseason. That's exactly what Lando's Land needed. Now, in terms of this week, college game day is going to Boston College, and I'm not sure if you saw ETSU's pitch to game day to come here next week on the 17th. 
we're up against Syracuse Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. We're up against Kennesaw State, Jacksonville State at SunTrust Park, so a couple of Major League Baseball stadiums there. And also up against Cincinnati, Central Florida. Of course, Central Florida on a 21-game winning streak. Clemson is number two in the country, traveling to Boston College, number 22 in the country. And you look down the slate this week, and quite honestly, Landon, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't have the chance to pitch game day this week because it doesn't look like there's a lot of top-end matchups, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there. Had this game been this week, I think you guys would have had a good shot to host. Um, yeah, not a lot of stuff. You mentioned some programs in there we're going to we're gonna actually talk about today. But, ah. yeah, I think uh, I think the Clemson-BC game certainly is the – there's a couple ranked-ranked games maybe, but um, that's the one that everybody's going to point to. A lot on the line in that game. Um, so you mentioned Syracuse Notre Dame next week. Obviously, that'd be my pick uh, for game day. Um, but uh, you know, I think the Bucks game, uh, biggest game in program history, could you say? Um, certainly, recent history. Um, great, great environment going to be at uh, at Green Stadium. So, looking forward to all those things. But that said, this week, um, you know, since we got the jet fueled up. Uh, Fresno plays at Boise on Friday night. Wow. That's uh, eight and one against seven and two. Um, a lot on the line there. Fresno is trying to position themselves as the top um, uh, group of five champ. Um, if they can get that far, they're going to play Utah State, I believe, still in there. And uh, you need UCF to trip up, which they're going to have some opportunities. UCF has three three tough games coming up. They got USF. They got Cincy. And uh, one more, I think, in there, but maybe it's just the two big ones they have left. But speaking of USF and Cincy, that's actually where we're going to go this week. We did kind of feature BC earlier this week, so we're not going to be going to Chestnut Hill for game day. And we'd like to be different anyway, right? Because that's what we are. We're different. Um, So we're going to go USF at Cincinnati. A little bit under the radar game. Uh, Cincinnati's in the rankings. Uh, USF has been there some this year. Um, If you like offense, this is where you want to be. And what a cool stadium. Mike, have you ever had a chance to go to, to Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati? I'm not much of a traveler, but go ahead. No? Okay. Well, we will take you off the table. Uh, I think what if Jay were here, he would say he probably hadn't been there either. Um, but it's one of the oldest stadiums in the country. If you like old, if you like history, this is it. The place sits right in the middle of campus, so it's really neat. It's actually, there's no gates around it. You can actually, it's just part of campus. You actually just walk through it. They did a renovation a few years ago, added some suites. Um, seats about 40000 but all the seats are right on top of the field. It is really neat, really neat place to take in a game. Um, so that's where we're going, Cincinnati. Some good golf, some good barbecue there, some good uh, – some people like the Skyline Chili. I'm not real big on that stuff. Have you ever tried that what stuff? What is Skyline Chili? I mean, I love chili in general. Is this something different and spectacular I should know about? Yeah, it's a brand. It's a restaurant, but they serve it. To, to me, the weird thing is they serve chili on top of spaghetti. Oh wow! I've never thought of that. Yet. I don't know if that's. I mean, it's weird, but I'm kind of excited by it. If when in Cincinnati, when in Ohio, okay, they're crazy about that stuff. Really, I'm telling you, it's like it'd be like somebody coming in here and seeing a pals for the first time. Well, I, I like, did that like 16 months ago, and let me tell you, it was a bit strange to see. Yeah, well, I. Again, same thing. I'm like, wow, that place is a little over the top. But then you go there and it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. this has to be a part of my life. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Pals is, is it, that's kind of their Pals. Um, probably a little bit bigger scale. They are a, a big brand. Um, so Skyline Chili. And there's a competing chili there as well. Can't remember the name of it. But that's kind of what you have to eat is you got to go do chili when you go to Cincinnati. 
I've never thought of chili on top of spaghetti. It's kind of like putting ketchup on grilled cheese or doing something along those lines where the two things great apart, right? I mean, spaghetti marinara sauce has always lacked a little bit to me. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's fine, right? It goes well, obviously with spaghetti. It's popular for a reason, but chili is not utilized enough in the American vernacular of food. In my opinion, uh, chili does do so many great things. We have a chili cook-off here every year at ETSU and it brings in some very, original and unique recipes and so you get a little view into how many different things you can do with chili but i kind of am on board with that idea i like your critique of marinara that, okay it's strong yeah strong Mike, thank today. you on your game thank I'm, you i'm good job sidekick taking over the show um get yeah, great great critique of the marinara um i've never been a big fan of the chili on the spaghetti i just can't wrap my head around that it just doesn't blend with my palate sure and you know i have a wide ranging palate <laughs> um if you like chili you got to move to west virginia because you know my wife being from west virginia great people there um but man they eat chili on everything it's fantastic if you're a chili fan west virginia southwest virginia too you guys know what i'm talking about uh, that's where you got to be let me go back to a couple games that we skipped and you didn't bring up. Alabama is going to throttle Mississippi State this week, right? Plus, you can do Tuscaloosa any week. Like you said, we want to be different, so you didn't want to go to Tuscaloosa. And then Agreed. Kentucky we were at last week, and they're going to UT in Knoxville. That's just so close where you can go there anytime as well, right? Possible letdown game for you to, for Kentucky there. That's one to watch. Yeah. You know, Kentucky still has a lot to play for. They can go to a major bowl. They, they have a winnable final three games. They're not going to play in the championship game. So they got a hold serve at UT, Middle Tennessee, which could be tricky. And then they finish with somebody they should they should be pretty handily. Uh, I apologize for not knowing who it is. But that one, um, yeah, there was a few other. It's kind of rivalry week has gotten pushed up due to all the conference championship games. You got Duke Carolina. Again, we're not talking about basketball, so we can move on. But uh, the Sunflower Showdown, that's the two Kansas schools. They're both three and six, and one of yeah. them lost their head coach. Yeah. We can pass on that. The one that usually gets a lot of pub is Bedlam. Um, Bedlam's this week, and it just seems it doesn't fit my calendar yet. You know, that seems like it should be Thanksgiving weekend, um, but it's, it's early. I, I don't know how I like that. I noticed you didn't bring up the biggest game of the college football week, Purdue and Minnesota. Minnesota fresh off firing their defensive coordinator after giving up like a million points to Illinois. Yeah. Not going to um, make a cut, huh? We're not going to row the boat. Okay. Well, that's uh, this okay. Week. But well, a good under-the-radar game, if we are looking for one this week, you know, since we are kind of going to one, if we're going to bonus one, Troy at Georgia Southern. Ah. Um, big game in the Sun Belt. Two seven and two teams, I believe. Um, Georgia Southern kind of a little bit of a letdown after beating App State. Um, but a very compelling race in the Sun Belt. And I also want to give a shout-out, another program kind of been through some turmoil. It should be near and dear to ETSU fans is UAB. UAB has gone 8-1 and one thus far. Um, they're hosting somebody who they should throttle this week, and Legion Field is not on anyone's radar of places that you should go. But this team deserves some attention because they're really, really good. Um, another fun stat, Colgate. If we're dipping down, yes. I saw this one this week. Yes. Have you seen what Colgate's defense is doing? I haven't seen what the defense is doing. I've seen what the team as a whole is doing, and I have to say, undefeated this late in the season, I'm impressed. They are impressive. Okay, here's some stats that you want to watch Colgate as you get to the playoffs. If you're ETSU and you were fortunate enough to make the playoffs here, you don't really want to see Colgate. Here's their defense. They give up 17 points in their opener. Okay, They've given up 23 points all year. 
So they've only given up six points since week two. That They've got five shutouts in that span, including the last three. So that means they haven't allowed a touchdown since week one. We've got a so, we've got a wide ranging opinion of Colgate on this show over the last couple of days because yesterday Jay Sandoz said a mid tier FCS school that offers scholarships because Colgate is not in scholarship would beat Colgate eight out of ten times. And now you're saying Colgate, ETSU doesn't want to see him. Firstly, ETSU wants to see whoever's put in front of him. Let's put it that way. Secondly, uh, Colgate, I'm not sure where I fall on it, but it's interesting how yourself and Sandoz are on different ends of the spectrum on this. Well, we might have to have – I might have to call in later in the week or maybe next week <laughs> yeah. we might bring this back up. Okay. So let's, let's bring up Colgate again next week. We, we, we'll see if they can keep it going. But, man, I would not want to play them. We, uh, yes, you can, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yes, you can talk about the non-scholarship, but um, those boys play hard, and they have had some history of success there. They have, I believe, made it to a national championship game. I don't think – I think they even won one. Um I could be wrong on that, but they've made it far. They're a traditional Northeast power Patriot league and they play decent football there. And yes, it's down scholarship, but I think they're playing Lehigh this week. So they shouldn't have any trouble there. Um, but they're a team that you gotta, you gotta watch out for them. They're probably not going to be, they might get a, a national seed. They might be in that, in that mix. Um, but, yeah, you don't want to play them, trust me. Anytime I can get you and Sandoz to argue is a good day for me, so I will bring that up next week on the show. Uh, speaking of our college game day pitch, I was wondering if you were planning on going to see Kennesaw State face a rare good opponent in Monmouth. That's an FCC, FCS matchup this week. Towson and Elon is a ranked matchup. Delaware and Stony Brook, too. UC Davis and Eastern Washington is four versus five, as we talk about some small college games that you yeah. might be interested in. St. Thomas versus Bethel, back from my homeland. That's the only top 25 matchup in D3. The WIAC is in conference, and then at Division Two, West Georgia is at Valdosta State, a top five matchup in D2 in Georgia. So, while there isn't a plethora of options at the FBS level this week, every Everything else is very strong. If you've got an internet subscription or an ESPN Plus, or you can dial into that stuff on a Roku, that's going to be worth watching some games now. Now, you may not know who they are. You may not uh, have an interest in who wins. But if you like football, watch some of those games because those are going to be good. And that's the, the little time that I get on Saturdays now uh, with the kids at home, not on the playgrounds while the weather's still good is going to be glued to some of those games because you're right. The uh, the FBS schedule is not superior this week, so we are going to be watching some some small school football that plays big time in big, big time ways. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, boy, and uh, we will talk to you all next week. Lando's Land with Landon Owen from Bristol Motor Speedway and the Gulf Crusade. When we're back on Sandos and the sidekick, that's something. I can't even remember what, but we'll get to it. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official healthcare provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! 
The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football head man Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks Jay Sando still hosts from Wildwing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network, and it's time to wrap up our college basketball preview, focusing in on Southern Conference and ETSU talk. In week one of the preview, we had Blake Lovell, the founder of Southeast Hoops, on the show, talked all things SEC for the obvious reason of some crossover for our fan base here at ETSU. Then we worked our way to the national mid-major scene with Russell Steinberg of SB Nation and Mid-Major Madness, and now it's another founder, Kevin Sweeney of College Basketball Central. He hosts a podcast there, founded CBB Central as a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association and just did one of the most impressive things I think I've heard of in media. 32 conferences in 32 days, all 353 college basketball teams previewed in a little more than a month. Firstly, Kevin, thanks for taking some time. I bet it's nice to have some of it now that that massive undertaking you just completed is off your plate. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, but uh, I think it's a really good kind of exercise for me just to get prepared for the season and then obviously share those thoughts with everybody. It's a great time in college basketball. The, the first game actually tips off in, I think, 20 minutes now. we got Green Bay and uh, Wisconsin Lutheran, certainly not the biggest matchup, but I'll, I'll, I'll probably tune into a little bit of it just to, just to get my early fix. All right, since you've previewed all the conferences, give us an idea where you think the Southern Conference is in that conversation from one to 32. I'm not asking you to give us all of them. If you want to, great. But in what area do you see the conference that we are in at ETSU and what other leagues are around the SOCON in those rankings? I, I see it as one of the better one-bit leagues in, in the country. I see, it, I see it kind of in that 12 to 18 range. It kind of gets jumbled up every year. Uh, leagues like the CAA, uh, the MAC. Um, I, I think uh, the Sun Belt, I think, would be right in that mix as well. I, I, I think it's a really good league. I think uh, a, lot, a lot of programs that, that can win NCAA tournament games, I think there's three teams this year that could beat uh, beat a team if they get in that 4-13 or 12-5 matchup. Um, UNC Greensboro, ETSU, and Wofford, I think, all have really talented groups. Uh, it, it, it's some really good coaches. I think it's one of the, one of the better one-bit leagues in the country. You bring some perspective that I think it's tough for some others to bring since you have looked at every team in the nation. When you looked at all 353, I'm not sure if you did a ranking process for all of them or not, but do you find yourself thinking, and you've been doing this for a number of years now at CBBCentral.com, do you find yourself thinking and kind of logging out the year and plotting out how the season will go that mid-majors are stronger now than you've seen them before? I think there's a little bit more roster turnover even in just the couple of years that I've been doing this than there there has been in the past. I think every year there's just more movement every year, more, more newcomers coming in, and that, that that becomes a really exciting thing for a lot of these programs. Because like look at ETSU for instance, bringing in so many talented guys on a year in year out basis from the JUCO ranks, from the transfer ranks, from freshmen. Um, so so it's definitely exciting to see some of these programs bringing a lot more talent. But at the same time, there's a lot more transfers going up to higher higher levels of basketball. I don't think mid-major basketball has gotten you know, that much better or worse in the last couple of years. But I think this year especially, there's a few teams at the top of, of the mid-major ranks that, that are especially dangerous than what we've seen in the past. Team like Nevada that's going to be in the top 10 preseason. Obviously Gonzaga, if you consider them a mid-major. Uh, but, e- but even programs like Buffalo that won a game in the tournament last year. Um, UNC Greenboro pushed a Gonzaga team that will be top five this year. I mean, it... it there's a lot of depth, I think, this year in the top of the mid-major ranks that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. Again, you can find Kevin at cbbcentral.com. You've got all these rankings there, but talk to us about your SoCon rankings and the big storyline you see for each team. Yeah, I mean, so I have UNC Greensboro number one. I think that's probably the, the clear number one choice preseason. Uh, Francis Alonso coming back for that program. It's such a good team with, with a great coach in West Miller. Uh, they bring in some, some more size with Eric Hamilton, Mohammed Abdul Salam. I think I, I think they'll be really good when win twenty five plus games. And then ETSU, I just think Steve Forbes is an absurdly good coach. As I read in my preview, um, I mean he, he he brings in talent every year. Uh, they, they they lose a bunch, but I think guy guy like Boat Hodge coming back has a chance for a really big year. Uh, I think Isaiah Tisdale is going to be really solid as a, as a JUCO product coming in uh, for this group, and I I think I think they'll be right in the mix again. Wofford is one of the best shooters in the country, one of the best shooters in college basketball history, and Fletcher McGee. Then you get kind of to these teams with more questions than answered. You know, Fer- Furman's got to replace a lot. Uh, Bob Ritchie in year two has got, 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 got some questions to answer. Mercer's a really young group. Uh, Stanford brings in some talent, but they were pretty terrible last year. Um, 
Chattanooga's had it tough uh, with transfers the last two seasons since Lamont Paris took over, but he's recruiting pretty well. So I think in a couple of years, you'll see that Chattanooga program on the rise. Uh, and then Western Carolina, the new coach, Citadel and VMI have been down for the last couple of years, but um, you know, Citadel especially is a fun team to watch play basketball just because of the amount they score the ball. So uh, I, I think that's kind of the, the, the tiering you'd say is those top three teams, UNC Greensboro, ETSU, and Wofford, pretty clearly above the rest of the pack. Uh, then I think Furman, Samford, Mercer, kind of in that middle tier, and that, that, then there's a bit of a drop-off again from 7 through 10. No surprise in your player of the year choice, Fletcher McGee of Wofford. McGee also headlines your first team, Francis Alonzo, you mentioned of UNCG, Zane Nijdawi of Citadel. Those are a couple of guys that need no introduction for ETSU fans. They've hurt the Bucks over the last couple of years, and specifically last year at times. Matt Rafferty of Furman and James Dickey also of UNCG. Is McGee far and away the best player in the league, or are there some others you could see challenging him for player of the year, or is it just McGee and all the rest? I think it's got to be McGee and just the rest, just given what he's done in his career. I mean, I personally haven't seen a guy, maybe since Steph Curry in mid-major basketball, just go out every night, know that he's circled, highlighted, underlined, whatever whatever on the scouting report, and just shoot 10 threes a night and make 44%. I mean, hmm. the, guy, the guy cannot be stopped no matter what, what defenses you throw at him. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good players in this conference, but, but McGee really has to be considered number one. Kevin, this can be a team or a player, a group of players, or whatever you want to look at, but what is the one surprise you envision in the Southern Conference this year? I think Samford could be could be better than people expect. I know they lose a ton from, from last year, and last team, year's team wasn't very good, but they were really bad on defense last year. I think they can be better there. They bring in a lot of really good newcomers. Uh, they bring in Brandon Austin from Alabama, a four-star freshman, Stephen Fitzgerald, uh, Josh Sharkey's back in the backcourt. I think I think they've got the weapons to, to be dangerous in a league where there is a lot uh, of room to move up the ranks beyond that top three. I think they could even finish up, up as high as fourth. I think Sanford has a chance to surprise. You mentioned it in your preview, and we don't like to think about this around these parts, but Steve Forbes specifically, uh, Mike Young, Wes Miller, some guys that will get some recognition around the national scene as possible Coaches that, if they have a good year, maybe one more NCAA tournament run, whatever the case may be, could get plucked from a mid-major and go to a bigger program. What do you think it would take for those three? Is it different for all of them, or is it the same set of circumstances for them to move on to go somewhere else? Not that we're hoping that happens at all for Steve Forbes, because as he said, he's a heck of a coach. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of coaching movement is, is just based on timing. I think UNC Greensboro is, is in a time is in a time frame where this is the last year of their probably window. This might be the last year of their window being elite without Francis Alonso graduating this year. James Dickey's a redshirt junior. You never know where he could go after this season. Uh, so you could see Wes Miller maybe move on after this year. He'll have a lot of interest from programs in the Southeast if if, if the right job opens. I think. I think Forbes is just a Forbes just brings in talent every year. So this this year, because they don't have that many seniors, just James Harrison, I think there's a chance he could stick around one more year, try to build for two years, try to win an NCAA tournament game, get a big job. Uh, so I, I think the timing for for those two guys especially is going to be really interesting to watch. I think Miller's probably a little bit more likely to jump jump after this year than than Forbes, but um, I think it all depends on just what jobs open. Uh, what connections those two guys have with the athletic department directors and the search firms that are going to be doing those searches. Uh, Both guys are definitely qualified at this point uh, to get those high major jobs. So uh, it does kind of feel like a when, not if with, with with both of them moving up the coaching ranks, but 
Uh, as a mid-major, you're just going to try to keep him as long as you can, win as many games, and build uh, you know, build the stature of your program up to a point where you can continue to hire great coaches after. So if you're ETSU, even if you lose Steve Forbes after this year or next year, Steve Forbes has elevated this program to a higher level, so better coaches are going to want this ETSU job. So I think you just want to keep him as long as you can, build to that, and hope that you know, with the talent that could hold over, even if you were to lose a Steve Forbes after this year, you're still in good shape long term. We talked about your awards a little bit. Isaiah Tisdale, you list as your newcomer of the year. That's where the Bucks enter those awards. A lot of questions around this ETSU team about who may step up and be the number one with Asante Bradford being gone. Lots of people looking, of course, to Bo Hodges to be that guy. Do you see Tisdale being in that conversation as well or possibly even assuming that role in Bradford's wake? Or are you per- predicting him as newcomer of the year, slotted more of a number two on this team? I mean, as you said, it's tough to say just because there are so many so many newcomers. But when you look at a guy like Tisdale, the numbers he put up in junior college, averaging 17 points per game at a really good program in Vicentis Junior College, uh, I think I think he's he might be the number one scoring option for this group. I think Bo Hodges may be better suited for a you know, 12, 13 points a game slashing role, whereas Tisdale, I think, could be that all-around guard who can really score the ball. Um, I, I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. I don't know if this team necessarily needs a guy who's a true number one scoring option. You have a Patrick Goodoff, probably either coming off the bench or starting, who can really score. Trey Trey Boyd, another good JUCO product. I mean, there's a lot of talent from top to bottom of guys who can put the ball in the basket. I don't necessarily think you need that top guy, but I think Hodges and Tisdale are those two guys uh, that you, that you look to preseason as guys to get a bucket in games. Gavin, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at CBB underscore Central. I'll always just be popping out uh, as much content as I can on there. My website, CBBCentral.com, and then my podcast, the CBB Central Podcast, with my good friend Brad Cavallaro. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're also on the Google Play Podcast app. So uh, definitely just check us out there. We'll be talking mid-major basketball, high-major basketball, pretty much any level of hoops. You, you'll find you'll find our work. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, you do a great job. Thanks so much for doing everything you did with that 32 and 32 and for joining us today. Kevin, have a good one. Uh, you too. Enjoy your hoop season. Kevin Sweeney from College Basketball Central, CBBCentral.com to preview the SoCon. Sandos and the Sidekick back after this on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway 
or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway. He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Sandos and the sidekick, I am the sidekick. There is no Sandos today, so if you're looking for Jay, he'll be back tomorrow on Thursday's show, and we will welcome in Crazy Coach and also have some fun right before the ETSU men's basketball home opener. It's basically going to be a pump-up show because we want Freedom Hall full tomorrow. We want to see ETSU fans out in droves despite a loss last night, 74-68. to Georgia State was the opponent defending Sunbelt champions, a very impressive squad with some quite honestly top-tier players on the national scene, not just in the mid-major echelon. And Mike White, Sports Information Director for ETSU Men's Basketball and the head of our department in Sports Information here at ETSU, is nice enough to join us and take some time with Jay out, taking a little bit of time after getting into like 4 or 5 in the morning after a long bus ride from Atlanta yesterday. And while we see a loss, of course, and being 0-1 is never where you want to be, Mike, I mean, there's also the flip side of it, that that game is between two of the better teams in mid-major basketball, depending on where you look. Georgia State is anywhere from 5 to 15 when it comes to mid-major polls, and ETSU, of course, being what they are with Steve Forbes, you know, they're always going to be competitive, if not better than just that, solid, if not spectacular at times, and last night, while it was a loss, it seemed like there was a lot of positives to take away from the game. I think there were, Mike, and if you look at the team in general, you're going into a game with 10 brand-new faces on the roster, and for this Buccaneer team, a lot of question marks going into the game. Exactly what were they going to look like? And I think if you're looking for you know, effort, you look at athleticism, you look at um, just the way the team played, you're right. They go on the road to the Sun Belt Conference champion, and they take them down to the wire in a game that they could have easily won uh, with just a bounce here or play there. Uh, in fact, the team, you know, you're, you're in a one-point game. You've kind of been coming back there late. You get a defensive stop. The ball just doesn't bounce your way. Uh, it ends up in the hands of Damon Wilson, who, you know, is a guy that at Pittsburgh, he played for two seasons there. He had a total of nine made threes during his time uh, there for two seasons. Uh, he ends up with the ball, makes a three-pointer, and that's the difference in the game, really, when it, you come down to it was that play at the end. Um, but the Bucks, as, as Coach said in his post-game comments, Four or five minutes before that, we're kind of in the driver's seat. They yeah. had the momentum. They're up four. Uh, they've kind of been on a, like a 17-5, 17-4 run. Yeah. Um, and I think 
ultimately you, you're going to look back at this game and say there were so many positives. Offensively, you, you may not have shot it well, but, boy, you hit the boards hard. There were really good numbers on the rebounding side, out-rebounding a very good Georgia State team by 10. You out-rebound them 27-15 offensively. A lot of putbacks. As Coach said, yeah, you get those because you've missed some shots, but that's still a positive. Um, and as you said, there's, there's at least two players on Georgia State's roster that can play about anywhere in the country. Um, DeMarcus Simons was fantastic. He's 21 points. But then beyond him, Jeff Thomas has 26, which was a career high for him. Um, those, those guys kind of have a little bit of an off night or don't do that. The Bucks win. Um, and that's with a team that's brand new. Georgia State returns everybody, in effect, right. uh, to a team that uh, won the Sun Belt a year ago. So I think you come back from, from uh, Atlanta feeling good about what happened, and I think uh, going forward the team's going to feel good about themselves uh, you know, weeks, or, weeks down the road as they move into conference play. Yeah, and I think I quoted Coach Forbes in the first segment and said that Wilson had like one three a pit. I didn't fact check it, but point being, regardless of what the actual number is, he's not a great three-point shooter, never has been, and even Coach Forbes said in the postgame comments, they got the ball in the hands of the guy that ETSU wanted to have the ball in the hands of, and he just happened to knock down the shot. You mentioned down the stretch some composure issues, the technical on Bo Hodges, and from how Jay described it on radio, it was just some choice language directed specifically at one guy, which I think is where the referees took exception, where if you're just throwing around expletives to no one in particular, it may not be such a big deal, but Bo being a sophomore, maybe emotionally involved into the game, maybe a bit too much in the opener, right? He's... A lot's expected of him. He's getting a lot of preseason accolades and now being thrust into the role of perhaps being that guy, maybe having a little bit of that come out in a negative way rather than a positive way, trying to be an emotional leader. So it was Bo, it was Milad Narmas kind of didn't have a great night. And on the flip side of that, you had Isaiah Tisdale. So kind of negatives and positives in a stretch where, like you said, you're up four because of Milad Narmas, Jerome Rodriguez, and James Harrison. They all had a basket in a span of about two or three minutes that got you up four. And then a 7-0 run from Georgia State, and the game never really was the same. Well, I think that is as part of the growing process of a new team and, and players becoming more familiar with each other, knowing what uh, each one is going to bring to a game once the lights come on. I think you do know, because you have a year's worth of uh, research and background to look at Bo and Milad, and you know what they're going to bring yeah. to a game. And uh, one thing I think people need to remember, too, Bo lost some of his preseason time uh, due to just uh, some – an injury that had to be dealt with that was just a standard surgery. He's going to be back and fine. But he hasn't been on the court in recent weeks as much as you would want and him Coach to be. And Coach Forbes said still not 100% right now. Correct. So that's going to come along. Um, I think also some of those things that happened, it, it was interesting in the game, early in the game, um, seemed like on both sides there was a little bit of jawing, talking, and almost as if the officials were going to allow that to kind mm -hmm. of occur and I think maybe Bo got caught somewhere there in the second half with a just an unusual situation where maybe he kind of felt like that was going to be okay. And at that moment, as you said, wherever he directed it to, the the official had uh, was was a little offended by it, and therefore brought the technical call. Um, but I think when you look at the team in general, last night, your, Coach Forbes and his staff are going to have a lot to come back and go. Okay, this was this was good. This was good, but this was not. Um, I thought. Our effort on the defensive end, very strong. I, I think a lot of people were wondering, uh, through the preseason, a lot of the comments, a lot of stuff coming out of camp was, okay, this team can score, but what are they going to be defensively? Because on the flip side, last year's team was really strong defensively, struggled sometimes to score the ball. 
Well, last night we saw this team can defend. You're playing a team that um, has very strong offensive players, and you're able to stay in the game. You hold them to 74. I think Coach said afterwards, you know, if he if he had if somebody had said, look, you're you're going to hold Georgia State to 39 percent shooting, you're going to hold them to 74 points. How you, at home? How do you feel about your chances? He would take that, and he would feel like that was going to be something that the, the team would have a chance to win, which they were. They were right there. Um, but I think as the year goes on. I would I would say the technical is out of character for Bo, and it's not something you're going to see from him um, again this year. I, I I would be shocked. We heard from Kevin Sweeney from College Basketball Central right before you came on, and my question to him about Isaiah Tisdale was, do you envision him, because he named him Newcomer of the Year, preseason Newcomer of the Year in the Southern Conference, do you envision him being a compliment to Bo Hodges, or are you giving that award because you can see him being – the number one type guy in this team and his response I thought was a very smart one he said I don't even know if there really needs to be a number one a traditional number one quote unquote on this team and it's always nice to have right because then you know down the stretch who you can turn to but with Bo Hodges and Isaiah Tisdale and Trey Boyd struggled with his shot a little bit in the exhibition and then last night as well but you know shoot or shoot he's going to get hot and, and he's a heck of a player we know and then some of the guys inside we saw last night flashes from Jerome Rodriguez that made Steve Forbes say last year he might be the best player we have in this team it's shame we're going to miss him the whole year and of course Milad and Armas he had his moments last night and will once again round into form right it's the first game of the year but I thought it was a very interesting point from Kevin Sweeney and that was an interview we taped yesterday before the game with Kevin from College Basketball Central of him saying uh, Isaiah Tisdale I don't know what his role is going to be but I th- certainly think he has the ability to be a number one guy last night 19 points on 11 shots also five rebounds and four assists did a little bit of everything and looks very promising specifically in being one of those maybe not volume scores which is a good thing, right? Being very efficient on the court and also stuffing the stat sheet in other ways. Well, I think you're right. And I think one of the things that will make this team fun to watch and one of the intriguing aspects of um, what's going to happen with these newcomers is that who is going to be that guy? Who will step up and ultimately be the guy you go to? Um, In Coach Forbes' three previous years, you kind of knew down the stretch, three years ago it was Geelon Gwynn. He's going to have the ball in his hands. A year after that it was T.J. Cromer. He's the guy that's going to make a play for you late. Last year it was DeSante Bradford. If you need to make a play and you need to roll somebody out there late in the game, get the ball in his hands. Right now, like you said, you really don't know, but does it have to be one person? I think when I look at this team right now, and it's just, and all I have is 40 minutes of gameplay to go from, right. uh, I do think you've got three or four potential guys that could ultimately be that person, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be one. I think that's a very good point that uh, Tisdale showed a, an unbelievable amount of competitiveness late in that game last night driving the lane, making some very acrobatic shots, getting knocked to the floor. There was an energy about him that reminds you of those kind of guys that you want to have in a game like that late. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that Bo's not ultimately the guy that that becomes or, or anyone else on the team. Like you said, you mentioned Jerome and Mladen. I think just tendencies are that that kind of player is going to come from your perimeter, right? So it's going to be somebody like Tisdale or Hodges or Good or Boyd ultimately. And I, and I think if uh, you look at the stat sheet – the one surprising part of this stat sheet that, that jumped out at me was that, that in preseason camp, everything we were hearing, everything I was seeing even, was that Trey Boyd's going to be a very, very special player. Right. I think he just didn't have a very good game last night. Right. That doesn't mean that uh, people should be like, oh, he's not going to be right. with you. I mean, it was just one game, um, and I think he's going to be very special. So that's another guy that we haven't really talked about because he didn't really fill the stat sheet last night. But I think ultimately he's going to be a guy that they're going to need to play well to have a good season. I wonder if 
part of the issue last night because some of Coach Forbes' postgame comments were centered around sharing the ball. And when they shared the ball, everything was great, right? 12 assists on 26 field goals. Eh, you know, that's not terrible, not great. You know, you'd probably like a little bit higher percentage. But when they shared the ball, everything was going well. And when they started to go into hero mode, right, superstar mode, that's when things kind of got off the rails. I, I don't wonder if part of that is, guys, trying to establish themselves as number one or, or looking around and saying, well, I don't know who the number one is. I know Bo's not 100%, so even if he is our number one, does he have it right now? Or, or Trey Boyd looking um, to Isaiah Tisdale and being like, well, I'm coming in the same time as you are. Like, well, why can't I get my – or, you know, some of those things where an alpha isn't there right now, so maybe everyone was trying to be that at certain times last night, and that's where things kind of spiraled out of control at times. I agree with that, and I'll give you a stat that just uh, jumps out off the page to me is that um, you mentioned assists, those 12 assists on 26 makes. All 12 assists came from the starting five. Hmm. Um, if you look at all the uh, subs that came off the bench, there's zeros down yeah. through there. Um, so when they talk about sharing the basketball, you, your, your first group sure seemed to do that. Um, but after that, everybody that came into the game struggled in some way to kind of become incorporated into what they were doing offensively. Now, that might just be a statistical anomaly for this one game, uh, but I think it's certainly something that jumps out on the page when you're looking at the stats. And that's just something that's going to be worked out over time as well, right, once roles are de defined and developed more. Exactly. I think once players realize, okay, this is my responsibility, these are the things that I'm expected to do, and when they get into a flow of, of groupings, I know that coming back uh, last night, uh, one one statistics we one of the statistics we usually give to our staff um, is a plus minus chart, which basically shows uh, what grouping of five how they did in the game. Yeah. You know, were they plus? Were they minus? Um, and they were asking for that immediately last night because I think they they are they're learning just like we as fans are watching this team. We're learning, right. even though they've had a summer to get ready. They've had fall. Once you turn the lights on, you get into a game. You're like you're like okay, now what do I see? Um, how does this change when we're playing other faces and we're not playing just ourselves all the time? And I think um, when you look at those numbers, some things really jump out at you, and I think that uh, this team will evolve as they get more of an understanding of what they've got. I mean, there's. Uh, we, let me throw this out. I've, I've got to mention him because he's a guy that people have – he's been here for a year, and a year now, going on two. But uh, James Harrison, yeah. I thought, in his – Five minutes of play, he scores six points. He's three or three from the field with a t with two rebounds. Now you had a turnover thrown in there, but I think he gave the team something there for five minutes last night. I looked at the box score today, and my eyes kind of popped out of my head because I was like, he's only out there for five minutes. It seemed like he put forth a whole half's worth of production, a full sub's worth of production, whether that be you know thirteen to twenty minutes, whatever you talk about with a sub that you generally use off the bench as one of your first two or three guys, but. He only played five and had those stats and just seemed to have more of an impact. And maybe it just stood out more because you're not expecting it because he didn't play as much last year. But this is a senior that has loads of ability, and we've heard it over and over, and I hate to belabor the point, but offensively has all the talent in the world and defensively has struggled a bit. I think last night we certainly saw on the offensive side, I mean, six points in five minutes, and we don't want to say, oh, James Harrison's the answer to any <laughs> offensive issues we may have. Oh, that's you know probably not the case, but certainly if you can get 10 or 15 good minutes from him every night, that's going to go a long way, not only towards your offensive success, but some depth down low. I think you're right. And, uh, when you We mentioned earlier all these positives. That is a really bright spot. Yeah. And, and again, is it a statistical anomaly? Well, we hope not. We certainly, for James' sake, for our sake as a team, we want them to play well. We want him to do well. Um, and I think he's going to do well. I mean, if, it, if this is any indication, that was a very, very strong Georgia State team. You know, he scores four points in the early going there in the first half when we kind of needed to get going a little bit. 
gave a little bit of energy. And like you said, he comes in the second half. So it wasn't just like it was a one-half thing. He was in there in the second half, too, during that run that the Bucks made. So I think if you're James Harrison today, you're like, hey, that was good. I enjoyed that time out there. We'd get, hopefully get a little bit more. But um, I think overall, um, Coach Forbes, after the game, I think he was disappointed because he knows he had a chance to beat a really good team on the road. Yeah. I think you could tell um, in my time around Steve over the last four years, um, he's quick to come out of the locker room normally. Yeah. He, he, he leaves wins and losses behind very quickly. You play the game, you move on to the next one. He took a little bit longer last night, and I think that's because he's got such a group of new guys in there. He's trying to preach, and he talked about it too in the postgame, about responsibility, about accountability, um, doing your job. And I think uh, he, it's going to be fun to watch him work with these guys and kind of mold them and shape them. Uh, have no doubt whatsoever that he's going to get it right. I've seen him do it too many times here. Um, but uh, these guys are all learning. It's, it's, it's going to be – it's going to be different than the previous three years under Steve in the sense that there are just so many new pieces that he's got to figure out how to use, and then we're going to get to be able to watch as they develop. I would, t- I would say this. From now and what we saw last night, by the time we get to December, late December into January, we're moving into conference play, we'll see different items or different aspects of this team develop. There's going to be certain guys that are going to step up and play more. There's no way that you can take this right here and say that's the way this next three, four, five months are going to go uh, just because they're so new. Bernard Williamson Tucker. I'd say those three may be less familiar to fans just because they're not the big name of a Boyd or a Tisdale. And people you heard about Patrick Good coming back home, of course, he's always going to have a special place in fans' hearts and just a very familiar name to the area as well. But Bernard Williamson Tucker, Tucker played 25 minutes off the bench. He was the number one sub and uh, really was right there with Bo Hodges for the amount of minutes that he played. I mean, 25 minutes, that's starter minutes. But tell us what you saw from those three and just familiarize fans with those three if they haven't, if they didn't listen last night, if they did listen last night, just to the eye what you saw and what they bring. Well, let's start with Kavon. I thought he looks like your prototypical solid guard. Um, he's, he's very athletic. Uh, if you look at his line from last night, he has three steals. He doesn't have a turnover. Um, he's somewhat efficient. I mean, he's one of four, but the one, he, the one shot he hits from the field – is a three that ties the game at 50. Right. Um, and so it was a big shot that they needed in a big moment. So that gives you some good you know, hope for the future that he's going to be able to make those kind of plays for you. I think uh, Bernard, you know, one for one, he wasn't in there quite as much, nine minutes of play, but he's long and he's athletic. He looks good on the floor, I think, and he can dribble. And I think that um, – you know, he's going to be, definitely bring something a little different to the team. You know, you, when you watch basketball, a lot of times you're like, okay, this guy's a guard, this guy's a forward, this guy's a center. If he's a forward center, he maybe he doesn't dribble as well. DeAndre kind of breaks those norms, those stereotypes, and I think he, he can play uh, play the position very well. With Davian, I think we're going to see more of him. We didn't see as much of him last night as I thought we would uh, going into the game, uh, but I think at the point he's going to be able to do some things too. But we have to remember about him is he's really, really young. He's one of those true freshmen, which is it's unusual um, in this program uh, with with the kind of the general perception that, that we take a lot of junior college guys. That's not really the case. But Davian's one of those f- true freshmen that's come in, and he's played well, and I think he's going to continue to develop. But we just got to remember he's he's just starting his college career. Real quick before you go, tomorrow, Hawassi, I think, Fans are expecting dominance, right? But Steve Forbes, a little bit post-game, did say, well, let's not jump ahead. I think it's got potential to be a get-right game, but maybe not just get-right in the sense of a win, but get-right in the sense of get some continuity on the court, too. I think so, and I think Steve's comments are meant to say, 
that you don't take anyone lightly, all the cliches we've heard before, but uh, that, that you hear from a lot of coaches. But I think what he's saying is let's come out and play this game tomorrow night like you're playing a, a conference game in January from the get-go, from the tip. Don't take anyone lightly and, and use it to get better. Um, maybe it is Hawassi. Maybe it is a team that everyone expects you to beat by 30 or 40. But um, nonetheless, you need to go out there and work on your game. And, and, the, and the good thing is it's a quick turnaround from last night. You, you have a loss, and just two days later, you're back out there going to play. And I think that will be good for the team to kind of get that uh, uh, experience at Georgia State behind them, get a chance to come out and play in front of the home fans. And like you said, I think um, our fans have a lot to be excited about. Uh, Steve and his staff have done a fantastic job here for four years really building one of the premier mid-major programs in the country. And uh, our fans have responded to that by breaking records for season ticket sales and, and the excitement in the community has, has just been fantastic for this team and for this overall athletic program. So tomorrow night's just another chance to kind of celebrate that, be a part of uh, something special out there and watch these guys play for the first time this season at home. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Mike Appreciate White, it. Sports Information Director, Men's Basketball here at ETSU. We also had Kevin Sweeney from College Basketball Central. He did an excellent job previewing the Southern Conference and ETSU as well. Of course, there's going to be ETSU and Southern Conference basketball talk all year long here on Sandos and the Sidekick. Also had Lando's land tomorrow. Jay Sandos rejoins us. We have Crazy Coach Thursday and basically a pump-up show for ETSU men's basketball's home opener against Hawassi. That is at 7 o'clock here. The pregame at 6.30 if you can't make it over to Freedom Hall on WXSM AM 640. The Sports Monster. And we will have a Sandos and the Sidekick up around 1 o'clock tomorrow. Then Friday we'll recap. Also have the route tree as we round out the week. A bye week. Yeah, Austin Herrick is going to join us anyway. There's no reason to not have him on as we'll have a brand new route tree and also recap this team that is just so incredible right now, ETSU football. What can you say about him? Well, we'll talk about it on Friday. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs>